go, here we go, here we go. Is everyone ready for a good day today? Yeah. You know what, just before we begin, um, I'm just going to talk to the live audience, I'm going to talk to you guys. I'm going to say thank you so much, actually, for turning up and or tuning in. It's so good to see Barb and Kevin in the house this morning. May the Lord richly bless you guys. It's great to see you. There's so many people here for the first time, some here because you've been here before. I'm just going to take a minute. Let's just... It's been one of those weeks, I feel, so let's just... You're at home this morning. If you're here, I just want you to take a minute. Would you shut your eyes with me? We've been singing and we've been worshipping. And even in that, I don't know about you, but sometimes we can just go through the motions and we don't actually connect. We've got the plug, we've got the socket, but we haven't actually plugged it in and turned it on. And so right now, I want you to just connect in. I want to pray for a couple of people. If you're here this morning and you're in pain in your body, I just even if you're at home, can I just say this? Put your hand on the area where you've got pain. We're just going to start a little different. Put your hand on the area where you've got pain. I'm just going to say, Father God, please touch them. Let your light of your countenance shine upon them and bring healing into that area right now. Father, if it's minds that are unsteady or uneasy, if they're anxious in any way, God, I pray that you would just touch them right now. Father, for those who are in stressful situations and struggling with that, being overwhelmed, God, touch them. Father, I'm praying this morning specifically, I want to pray to you and ask God that you would touch those with kidney problems. Father, I know there's people that we love and know. God, touch them, bring healing and restoration to them. For those who are here, Father, right now, touch this congregation in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said... I mean, I think we forget sometimes the awesome uh, both power and the privilege and the incredible responsibility we have to pray for one another, to actually pray for each other, to love each other, to lay hands on each other when it's COVIDly appropriate, and to pray for each other. And so my prayer this morning is that you will be encouraged, inspired, challenged to grow closer to Jesus, to grow closer to one another, to develop your faith to believe God for bigger and better things than you've ever experienced before. If you're here for the first time, this is week three of Why Church, where we're asking the question, why is church so important? Does church still matter? Does it make a difference? Does it serve a purpose? Why do people come to church? And so if you're here for the first time, this is week three. I encourage you to go back and watch the last couple of weeks online, and you can kind of catch up. We're going to recap a little bit, but not too much this morning. Uh, is church still relevant for today? And as I look around the world, here's my sense this week. As we were looking around, everything feels like a little bit of a mess. Uh, I was, I'm looking through the, through the papers and I'm watching the TV. And I'm, if you've got Facebook, it's, you're watching on Facebook. And, and, and I don't want to make today somber, so just, it's coming. Ready? Just, just relax for a second. But if I look around the world with my natural eyes, it's a mess. I've got communities down in Melbourne and Sydney that are locked down. We've got people in Brisbane, and I love the fact, by the way, can I just encourage you, thank you for wearing your mask in the service. Thank you for doing the right thing. I know it's a COVID policy. I know some people disagree with it, but can I just honour you and say thank you that we submit to authorities and we do the best we can to keep each other safe. And I want to acknowledge that and honour you. And if you're unable to wear a mask, we're going to believe you have a respiratory problem. We're just going to thank God for you anyway and ask that God heals that. But I just want to take a minute. 
As I look around Australia, I see businesses doing it tough. I see marriages doing it tough. I see families under enormous amounts of financial pressure and pressure just in life. As I look around the world, and can we just pause for a minute and go, as we look across the world, it doesn't get better, does it? As we look across the world, you know, is there any place that you would rather be right now? You look at your country, you go, I'm having to wear a mask. Like, I don't know if they're about you, but there's nowhere else I want to be. Oh, I looked at South Africa this week, and I definitely do not want to be there, and I'm not making light of that. But what they're going through is absolutely horrendous. And so we're going to take a minute. We're going to pray for our communities in Australia. We're going to take a minute and pray for South Africa. We're going to believe that God's peace and mercy and grace can just flood those places because that's one of the benefits of belonging and being a part of the body of Christ. And so we're going to do that in a minute. Um, Let's just do it now. (laughs) So, Father God, we lift up the communities in Melbourne, in Sydney, in Brisbane. We lift up families and friends that are, Father, doing it tough. We lift up businesses that are doing it tough. Father, we lift up those who are feeling incredibly isolated and alone, even those members of our own congregation who are unable to be here today. Father, I pray that you would help them and minister to them. Lord, we lift up South Africa. We lift up those who are dealing with the floods in Germany. God, and we're praying that you would have mercy on our nation and on the nations of the world. We're praying, Father, that your grace and your peace would like a river flood into these areas. And we're asking for your favor to be upon them, that you would lift up the light of your countenance and shine upon them, and that they would find peace in the midst of any situation and circumstance. They would know that you are with them and you will never leave them and never forsake them in Jesus' name. Amen. You can almost feel this palpable sense of despair. And, and I'm, I'm trying to do this sermon and I'm like just feeling this heaviness and, and I'm like, God, what do we do? Where do we go? Is there an answer? Is there something we can look to in the scriptures that will encourage us, that will support us, that will sustain us, that will lift us up a little bit? And as I was reading through the scriptures, I came to an awesome scripture already and we're going to read it together. Actually, just for those who maybe haven't been for a while or this is the first time, today we've actually got quite a few scriptures, more than normal by far. But I want to go through the Word of God. I want to lay a foundation, and we're going to continue to ask the question, why church? But the scripture I want to take you to is Genesis 1.1, and Genesis 1.1 through verse 3. It says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Can we just take that for a second? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know I've preached on this before. That word waters is mayhem. That word waters is mayhem. And it's where we would get the words like mayhem. And basically the root of that word is chaos. And so you could read it. And so the Spirit of God, God formed this earth and there was this darkness. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the chaos. And the Spirit of God was hovering. There's darkness and there's chaos. And the Spirit of God is hovering over the chaos. And then God said, you ready? And then God said, and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. In the midst of the chaos, God spoke light. In the midst of the darkness, God spoke light. We are going to nail this through today. Because all the way through the scriptures, when you start to do a study, I just challenge you to pick up your concordance and look up the word light and see how often the Bible is mentioning light. It feels like every time chaos, every time darkness begins to cloud in, God begins to prophesy and speak light over that situation. You go through the book of Isaiah, 
when the people are being carried away captive into Babylon and they're overtaken by the Babylonians and the Assyrians and then the Persians and the Medes and, and it's like just one problem after another problem and you can see them there and they're despairing of hope and Isaiah prophesies and time and time again, he says, let there be light. There's light coming, there's light coming and he just keeps prophesying and speaking over them that there's light that's going to come. In fact, in Isaiah 42 verse six, it said, I the Lord have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people as a light. Everyone say light. As a, come on, everyone say light. Light to the Gentiles. And he goes on and is prophesying about Jesus to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I'm going to speak in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the darkness. I want to remind the people there's light that's available. In the midst of all that's happening, there's light that's available. Can someone say amen? We're only just starting here. It's going to get better and better. When we come over, we go into the New Testament. And we come into the New Testament and again, the Jews, the Israelites have been overtaken by the Romans and you can feel the confusion. It's palpable. The Romans are taxing them heavily. They're beating them down. They're beating them down. They're an oppressed people. Things are not going, you know, we think things are bad today. I challenge you to look back in history for a little bit and figure out how things bad could be. I challenge you to go and read the history of Nero or communism when it takes over and go, man, we have not got it bad. I'm not trying to make light of what we've got because it's relative, isn't it? Hey, if it's bad, to you, it's just bad. If you're broke, you're broke. But I want to say to you, I believe God wants to prophesy something into our community, something into our church, something into our lives. And he wants to remind us that there is light that's able to come in the midst of darkness. There is light that's able to come. And so he starts the gospels in Matthew 4.16. He reminds them, the people living in darkness, it's a prophecy in Isaiah that's repeated in the New Testament. The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Let me take you to the opening of the Gospel of John. Lisa's going to come up and sing a song in just a moment. I should have told you when that was, shouldn't I? That would have been helpful. But let me take you to the opening of the Gospel of John. It says this, John 1.1. He's reflecting back on the beginning and he's painting a picture for his readers out of the Gospel. He says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. I'm going to put John 1.1 up onto the screen, thanks. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Can we just take a second and go, by the way, on the first day of creation in Genesis, when God said, let there be light, you know there was no sun or moon then? Like, what, what was he speaking over that earth at the time? There's no sun, there's no moon, because the sun and the moon don't determine light, God does. And so it gives us a hope in the midst of darkness, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion. Natural things don't determine light. God determines light. That's just a side issue. He goes on. He says, let me keep reading. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not or could not comprehend it. We're going to drop down to verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. 
He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. He said he came into the world as light. The word was made flesh. This light revealed the world didn't recognize it. And that's still the case today. The world so often doesn't recognize it. We're so focused on the darkness, the chaos and the confusion that we don't recognize that there's light knocking at the door saying, hey, I'm over here. There's hope. There's peace. There's ministry. There's deliverance over here. If you would just not look at the darkness and just lift your eyes and begin to see that God has created light for every single one of us to walk in and to walk into. Are you following me this morning? Okay, we're going to keep going for a minute. Jesus says in John 8 verse 12, then Jesus spoke to the crowd and he said, I am the light of the world. Can you imagine like the people who didn't believe in this? They're like, this is so strong. Did God spoke light? over the chaos and the confusion and the darkness, that John 1.1 says that the, he was the light of men. And then Jesus claims this right for himself. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not. Everyone say, shall not. Come on, you need to say it with a bit of gusto. Anyone who follows me shall not. They shall, I really feel like, I, you know, shall not walk in darkness. I am the light of the world and anyone who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Are you following him this morning? That's a great place to ask that question. Are you following him? Are you looking to him? Are you guided by him or are you guided by everything else that's going on around you? Okay, the word seems to have a lot to say about this word light. A couple of years ago at our carols, in the midst of the, in the, midst of the droughts, in the midst of the bushfires, and this is going back, it's almost like, who remembers the bushfires? Who remembers how bad it was? Oh, the bushfires, oh my gosh. And they were bad, I'm not making light of them. But can we, you know, like two years on, who's remembering the bushfires? It's like, we've got a new problem and a new... Can I just say, it doesn't matter where you are at the world in the moment, there's always going to be another place of darkness, another place of confusion, another place of chaos, and another opportunity for light to come shining through into your life. Let's become a people who will start looking for the light. Anyway, in the midst of this, I got Lisa and Sarah to sing a song, and the song is sung by a guy called Tom Walker. And it's not a Christian song, but I want you to just take a moment this morning and enjoy this song as Lisa sings it. And uh, we're going to put a little video on that went along with it at the carols. It was around Christmas time, so the video will probably make more sense of that. But I want to talk about it in a minute. Okay, three, two, and whatever that works. Got a hold. Just a phone call after that it had me sparking up. These cigarettes won't stop me wondering where you are. Don't let go. Keep a hold. If you look into the distance, there's a house upon the hill, guiding like a lighthouse to a place where you'll be safe to feel like grace. And if you've lost your way, if you've lost your way.
than what's been on your mind Lately you've been searching for a darker place to hide That's alright But if you carry on abusing you'll be robbed from us I refuse to lose another friend to drugs Just come home Don't let go the hill, guiding like a lighthouse to a place where you'll be safe to feel like grace, cause we will make mistakes if you've lost your way. Lisa. <laughs> I just feel this morning, I, I rang Lisa on Friday, she had like no time to prepare and I said, can you do that song? I said, I just feel this morning the church needs to be reminded that God has never turned his light off. That the people of God need to know there's still a light that's shining. There's still a hope for tomorrow. There's still a promise of peace that's available for every and each and every one of us to step into. And I just want to take two seconds and talk to two different people. First people are those who are sitting here today and watching online and you've never experienced that. You don't know him. You don't know that you can be invited to experience that. And all you can see at the moment is darkness and confusion and chaos. You're going through. I don't want to take anything. That's a tough time you're going through. It's a tough time that we're in. But I want to say there's an invitation that's available for you to step out and to step into his glorious, magnificent light. And I believe he's inviting you. And do I think it's going to fix everything? Do I go, oh, you know, when you're following Jesus, there's no more pain, there's no more problems, there's no more issues. That's a lie. So any preacher that tells you that that's what's going to happen is a liar. But what I do want to say is he will never leave you or forsake you. And I have watched people go through incredibly tough situations with incredible dignity and peace because they know the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords never leaves him and never forsakes him. And so I want to encourage you this morning to maybe accept that invitation. And a little bit later on, I'm going to ask Michael to come up, share around the communion table. He's going to give you an invitation, an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ and invite him to be the Lord of your life. The second group of people that I want to talk is because we're in a church, so I'm talking to the church and we're asking the question... Why church? Why are we doing what we're doing? And you are the group of people that I want to talk to. Thank you so much, Lisa. You, don't, you can sit there if you like. I like it. It's like, it's like I've just got better because somebody else is up here cheering me on every now and again. No, I'm just kidding. But I want to talk to the church this morning 
Because I want to say that one of the things that I can't kind of seem to see as I've been looking, I love the, first of all, I love the line, I will leave a line on. I love the line that says, if you look into the distance, there's a house on a hill guiding like a lighthouse, a place where you'll be safe to feel our grace because we've all made mistakes. If you look into the distance, there's a house upon the hill. And the church I want to talk to this morning is that house. It's that house that's set on a hill that guides like a lighthouse. It beams out. And if you've ever seen a lighthouse, especially flashing at night, and it beams out and it sweeps across the ocean, doesn't it? It sweeps across the darkness. It sweeps across the chaos and it allows boats to re-navigate, to get their bearings again. Maybe it highlights an issue in their life and they can all of a sudden, they can re-get their bearings and they can go, man, this is where I was going, but because of the light, I'm going to turn a little bit and adjust my direction a little bit. And I believe that God wants to give us a new direction direction as we start to walk in the light that he's given us to walk in and as we start to be the light not only are we going to walk in a new direction but we're a light for other people to walk in a new direction in fact take a minute and we'll just reverse back for the last three weeks I love the way God puts this together and I only realized it after he'd done it but the first week you could sum up you know what was God talking about what did we talk about the first week we said you have an enemy Satan, who comes to kill, steal, devour. You have an enemy who walks like a roaming lion, according to 1 Peter 5, 8. And, and he comes and he's looking for whom he may devour. And then Jesus spoke to them and he said, but I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We said the plans, the schemes, as the enemy sits at the gates and all through the Old Testament, the gates were where decisions and plans were made. We said the enemy sits at the gates of hell and he's making plans for people's lives. He wants to destroy them and kill them and steal from from them. But Jesus said, I will build my church. I will bring people out of the world and I will bring them and gather them together. And when they're gathered together, the gates of hell will not prevail against them. And if I could sum that up in one word, it would be what? Protection. There's a certain sense of protection when the church gathers together and prays, when the church comes together and they have each other's back and they go, if you're hurting, I'm hurting. There's a sense of protection. There's a sense of solidarity and protection in that. We went on from protection to the next week. We talked about what? Connection. And we said Jacob was a guy who was scheming, always trying to get ahead, always trying to stop himself from feeling like he was second best. He was looking this way and doing that and trying to just, you know, get his brother out of his birthright. And, and so then God showed him another way. You don't have to elevate yourself. There is another way. There's a place that connects heaven and earth. And he showed him a ladder and he said, you know, you don't got to climb your own ladder, but you can walk up my ladder and there's a place that heaven and earth connect. And Jesus revealed himself to Nathaniel. He said, the angel of the Lord, you will see the angels of the Lord ascending and descending on the Son of Man. We said Jesus became that connection point. When he met the woman at the well, there was a connection. When he saw the woman caught in the midst of adultery, there was a connection. When he healed the leper, there was a connection. He connected heaven and earth together. But when Jesus left, he left behind his body. He left behind the church. And what's the church supposed to be today? A place of... I'm out. A place of... Connection. We've moved from protection to a place of connection. This is a place the world can come in and actually just go, man, I can feel the presence of God. I don't know what it is about this. And some of us need to remember that. Some of us need to go, hey, I'm not just here for a fun time. I'm not just here to critique and criticize things. I'm here because I want to connect with the living Christ. And when I'm connected with Christ, I know that I'm putting something out that's palpable, something that other people can feel. There's a faith someone else can feel and sense. I'm believing God is going to heal people today. I'm believing God's going to touch people today. I believe lives are going to be changed today. I believe I'm going to have a word in season to transform someone today. But that's not just because I'm the pastor. It's because I'm a part of the church. There's a place where heaven and earth connect and it's called the 
church. Can we do it again? There's a place where heaven and earth connect and it's called the church. Thank you. And if we went from protection to connection, then the next word I'm going to bring is there's a light that sits on the top of the hill. And do you know what it does? It gives you direction. It begins to flash out. It begins to pulse out. And it says, hey, you were going that way, but I'm calling you to something different. I'm calling you to something new. So you've gone from protection to connection to direction. I just thought it was cool that it was all rhyming. You know, so that was pretty much my yeah, wow moment. Can we all just give me a clap for a second? Go. Hey. Ah, oh, thank you so much. That's why I get my, you know, maybe I should have got you to stand up. I could have had a standing ovation. Does it work if you all, no, no, right, moving. I just, I want to talk to you this morning about being a church that shines that light. That actually, and then we're going to ask the question, because I think some of us, we can get so caught up in talking about the darkness. We can get so caught up in talking about how bad things are. And we can get so caught up in the bickering, even sometimes between ourselves, of what is right and what is wrong and how that works and whether it should be and shouldn't be. And I spoke to a great young man through the week. And as we were chatting, he was telling me you know, he, could, he could line all the dots up. It was so dark. It was so bad. The world is such a horrible place. All the dots are lining up. It's cataclysmically evil at the moment. And I went, that's fantastic. But it's not helping. Can I encourage you to look to God? Can I, can I encourage you as a church? Let's be a church that looks to God. Can we, can, can we go a bit further? Can, let's be a church that flicks the light on. Because inside each and every one of you, if you're a born-again believer, if you've asked Jesus to come inside you, that light has taken up residence on the inside of you. That light is in you and it connects you to heaven and he's in you. He gives you protection. He gives you connection. He gives you direction. But sometimes that light is so deeply inside of us that we forget it's there. Then we kind of just go through the motions and we come to church and we, we get talking about all the other things that are going on, all the bad and all the negativity. I want to give you three things this morning about switching the light on. Because I think the world is groping around at the moment looking for hope, looking for peace, looking for something other than the darkness, the chaos and the confusion they see. And I think we are the light of the world. We are the hope of this world. Are we? we? We are, aren't we? Can we do it again? We are the hope of the world. There's no one else going to bring hope. There's no club. There's no organization. There is only the body of Christ that will present hope to this world. And there's three things that we can do to switch that hope on. Who wants to know what those three things are? Put your hand up if you want to know. Put your hand up if you don't want to know. Put your hand up if you couldn't care less. How it works. Let me keep going. You ready? Three things that I believe the church can do to switch the light on. Three things the church can do right now, today. Three simple steps you can do in your own life as we gather together. Three things we can do together that will switch the light on and begin to shine out into this community. Here we go. Number one. Number one. Unconditional love. First John 1.5 says, This is a message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If you turned over the page, you come to 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. And he goes on, he says, He who says he's in the light but hates his brother is in darkness until now. 
If you say you're in the light, but you don't like the person sitting next to you, you're already in darkness. If you say you're in the light and you don't like the body of Christ, you're not in the light. He who says, he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling. But he who hates his brother, can we just take that word hate because we go, I don't hate him, I just don't like him. That's not love then, is it? Anything that's less than love, Jesus drawing a comparison, he said, if you don't love them, you hate them. It's like, no, no, I don't hate them. I just don't like them very much. No, no, no. There's love and then there's not love. And that not love has these huge degrees. But there's either you're loving your brother or you don't like them. And Jesus points that out. And he says, if you're not loving them, you hate your brother. You need to get that because we have lots of people who go, I just don't like them very much. They just kind of rub me the wrong way. They press my buttons. Can I say to you, that's not the love of Christ inside you. And do you know what we're trying to do? Sometimes we're trying to tell people, you need the love of Jesus. You need the light of Christ to be in your life. But I don't like that person, that person, that person. They're looking at us. And they go, man, I don't really want what they've got. You know, man, I'm watching the church and they bicker and they backstab and they fight and they niggle and they complain and they criticise each other. And then they tell me that I should come and be a part of that. I've already got that. I want something different. I want light and love and peace to flow into my heart. I already have problems. I don't want to come to church to be part of a problem. Are you following me? Church, it's time to switch some lights on in this place. It's time to switch some lights on in our life. It's time to take stock and go, hang on. Do I love my brother? Do I actually love my brother and my sister? Will I actually go out of my way to love them, to care for them? Am I praying for them? We're going to get so caught up in telling everybody all the things that they do wrong. And I keep challenging people. When was the last time you prayed for them? When was the last time you lifted them up before the throne of heaven and asked God to have peace and mercy and grace over their life? We're real good at telling everybody what they're doing wrong, but are we real good at praying for the brothers and the sisters in Christ? Are we following me this morning? All right, come on, we're going to keep going. You know what? The minute we lose love for each other, we have nothing to offer the world. As we deliberately choose, as we deliberately choose, everyone say choose. It's a choice. It's a choice. I had someone talk to me the other day about love. You know, when's the right time to, to tell someone you love them? And I said, love is not a feeling. You don't finally get to a place where you feel like you love them enough. Love is a choice. Love is sacrificial. Love is where I will say, not what I want, but what's better for you. I want to love you. And do you know what? If the whole body, if marriages did this, if the husband says, hey, what can I do to love my wife? And the wife says, what can I do to love my husband? You have a beautiful marriage. You have a beautiful relationship. If the church people start going, what can I do? It's like flicking the light on. It's like flicking the light on. And all of a sudden that begins to beam out into the darkness. And people who've been wandering away and people who've been estranged start to focus on the fact that the church is offering something different. Start to look at something and go, man, I want what they've got. Let me give you the next one. Paul said in Ephesians 5 verse 8. So if number one was learning to love, if number one was love, the second way we turn our lights on is actually walk in righteousness. Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 8, You were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. If you drop down to verse 14, 514, it says, Therefore, he says, Awake who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Can I, can I just say there are certain things that we do on a Monday that we don't do on a Sunday that obscure our light, 
They're, they're, when we come together, we ought to be challenging. We ought to be encouraging. We ought to be loving each other in such a way that's healthy and healing and makes us want to walk a different path. And when we decide to start casting off some of these things that hinder our light from shining, it's like we've got this incredible light, but then we put on our coats of sin and shame. We put on all this other junk on our lives. And I want to say to you this morning, if God's talking to you about dealing with some of that stuff, cast it off. Because I believe when you cast it off, people are going to look and they're going to start going, man, there's something different about that person. You know, I used to watch them deal with problems the same way I deal with problems. But man, since they've come to church, since they've known Jesus, it's like a light has switched on. They don't deal with issues the same way the world deals with issues. They begin to look at you on a Monday and all of a sudden your Sunday witness carries weight. All of a sudden, what you say on a Sunday, you know, oh, you should come to church, you should come to church, but on a Monday, you're a different person, and it's like hiding your light under the bushel. But in this sense, when you begin to strip it off, you begin to go, God, I want to shine my light. The way we can easily, as a church, easily is come together and go, man, what are the stuff I'm doing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday that I ought not be doing? What's the stuff that I wouldn't tell my brothers and sisters about in the church? What's the stuff that I do when I'm at home in the privacy of my lounge room or my bedroom that I wouldn't do if I was in front of people? That's the stuff that hides our light and we need to deal with it. That's not, by the way, can I just stop for a sec? Not a condemnation, right? It's not this, oh, big, heavy, no, 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 stop. The light that you've received, walk in that. God's not coming to beat you and berate you. He's coming to lead you and guide you and show you a better way. He's not trying to smash you against the rocks. He's trying to flash a light out so you avoid the pitfalls and the pain of life. All right, let me keep going. Practical help. Number one, love. Number two, walk in righteousness. Number three, how do we love each other? How do we walk in righteousness? And then how do we turn a light on? The third way we can turn our light on is practical help. Everyone say practical help. <clears throat> right. Can we say it with a bit of like, I feel like getting everyone to jump up, turn around three times, sit back down again. It's like we kind of just chilled out a little bit. You guys are really attentive, but you kind of give off that vibe. It's like... Hope he finishes soon. You know, dinner's nearly ready. I kind of, like, let's, let's zing it up a bit. Okay, I'll, I'll zing it from my end and you guys just enjoy, right? Let me give you this practical help. Jesus said to his disciples, are you ready? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. No, no, not let your light shine before men that they may hear you standing on a soapbox. Not let your light shine before all men so that you can tell them, tell them, tell them. No, let their, your light shine in such a way that they see your good works. What you do makes a difference. James says it like this, doesn't it? One man says, I have faith. The other man says, I have works. You show me your faith without works and I'll show you faith through your works. And I want to say to you this morning, there's an easy way to let our light shine. We are sitting in the midst of a community and we can let our light shine through practical assistance. In fact, can I go on a bit further? I love the generosity of this house. I love the fact that this year we've been able to give away food vouchers, fuel vouchers. We've been able to help people who are hurting or in pain. We can have an op shop where people can come and get donations, like cheap clothes. They can come when they're in a catastrophe and get free clothes if they need to. There's always a place. Not a, some people come, they don't even buy anything. 
They just, they just turn up. And if you talk to Pam or you talk to some of the ladies who run the op shop, yeah, they just turn up. They're not, not even buying anything. What are they there for? They're there so they can be a listening ear. They're there so they can be a helping hand. They're there to listen and to help and to let their good works just shine out, just to say to somebody, hey, I love you. But you know what? That's not the end of our story. At JC Family, one of the things we want to do over the next few months is we want to become incorporated. And then from there, we want to move from being incorporated. We want to actually get a tax deductibility status for that. And you're like, I don't know what that... Moving on. What it means is that we want to be able to save more money down there. We want to be able to get to a point where we're building homes and group homes and places for mothers, places for emergency accommodation. We want to continue to let our light shine out more than these four walls. It's not just in here. It's actually making a difference. We have Sean Bennett, who recently became an electrician, who's always been an electrician, recently got his license. Why? Because he wants to start a ministry that helps people in the community. We recently had a thing through the chaplaincy where someone let us know, hey, someone's really struggling. So we sent people in. They wash sheets, they cooked meals, they helped them, they lifted them up. What are we doing? We're just shining our light. We're just shining our light. We're just loving people. We're letting that love of God, the love for one another, our works of righteousness begin to just shine out into the community. There's real simple things we can do. And people go, oh, is the church making a difference? 100% we make a difference. Day after day, week after week, we gather together. And what we can do together is far more than what we can do individually. When we gather together, we invest in this, we make a difference, and it begins to go out beyond these four walls. Through this church, we are able to support the Sandra Jones Foundation in Zimbabwe. Through this church, we can support a missionary outreach into Japan. Through this church, we can support four chaplains in five schools ministering to something like three-odd, four-odd thousand students, staff, parents, teachers, and a... Can you see, look, take a look around. This is not a mega church. We are not the biggest. We are not the brightest. We certainly are not what we would term the best. But you know what? What we can do together, we can make a difference. Why? Because we can flick a light on. And in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of darkness, when things seem so bleak, JC Family flicks a light on and says, we're not about that. We're about making a difference. We're about loving each other. We're about walking out on Monday, what we talk about on Sunday. And we're about coming together and going beyond these four walls and making a difference and letting our good works not honour ourselves, not brag about ourselves, but honour our Heavenly Father. Steve down in the garden has spent hours, countless hours. Patrick and Riley spent countless hours. What are they doing? They're doing, they're leaving a legacy. They're doing something that goes beyond the here and now. In fact, there are people who will enjoy the garden Steve has built and it's not even Steve. He's going to be, I don't want to say this, not a prophetic word. Steve's going to be dead before that garden's fully established and up to the vision that we see it as. He will have gone home. He'll be up with Jesus. He is not working for just the here and now. He is working for the future and leaving a legacy that talks about the love and the kindness and the compassion and the light of Christ. And that and this is going to be in the midst of a dark place, midst of turmoil, midst of stressful situations. All of a sudden, there's a church that puts its hand up and says, hey, we want to make a difference in our community. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. I'm going to pass over now to Michael, and I'm going to ask Michael to come up. He's going to lead you around communion. He's going to give you an invitation to respond. And I just want to bless you guys. I love you guys. My time is up, but I just am so glad that we had the opportunity to realize that we can turn a light on. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you, and we will see you next week.